शिला गुरुदेव की जय श्री मन महाप्रभु की जय श्री हरिनाम संकीर्तन की जय श्री श्री निताय चांद सचिनंदन गौरहरी की जय श्री राधा गोविंद गोपाल गोविंद राम की जय गौर भक्त वृंद की जय श्री एकादशी की जय गौर प्रमान <clears throat> so, good evening to all of you. Welcome. Thanks so much for your presence. To all the ones also connected online, and uh, well, here we are in Brighton, UK. Next, our following destiny after some other places in Bulgaria, Austria, and Finland, and whatnot. So we will begin our series of lectures here uh, with some invitation for questions and answers what sometimes it's called istagosti mm-hmm. istagosti means basically getting together gosta means represents the getting together and ista and for the sake of our ista for our sake of our chosen deity if you will for the pleasure of our common interest basically in the context generally of, of questions and answers, which is really the, the framework in which, in our tradition, somehow progress is being uh, visualized, if you will, in the getting together and opening our hearts and inquiring and receiving replies and receiving further, higher doubts and so on. In this way, we will be progressing. And not only questions and answers are. Uh, symptomatic of progress but also they represent a deep in exchange of affection of love and trust Srila Rupa Goswami mentions this also Uyam Akyati Prichati he says to open your mind and heart in a confidential way and to receive some confidential feedback in, in, in reciprocation in the context of inquiring with full honesty how can I best how can I make the most uh, tangible and sincere progress towards my goal, as we were speaking today with Gokul Chandra. That's basically the, the, the question we, we have. How can we, uh, like, how can we be sure that we are advancing in a genuine way towards our the ultimate goal? No matter if that takes two, three lifetimes. That's a secondary affair. But how can I make sure that I'm actually walking that path with full integrity? So all the questions and all the doubts that are presented sincerely in the context of that quest are totally not only welcome, but demanded, not necessary. That's the, that's the qualification of a, of a student, basically, in the Bhakti school. Jiknyasya Shreya Uttamam, says the Bhagavad. Jiknyasya Shreya Uttamam means... Such a person has to be interested into the direction of the ultimate benefit with full transparency again. And, and even if I have to solve and harmonize so many things in short term, middle term, all of, the, all of that will be addressed in the context of the ultimate benefit. So it's very important for us in this type of inquiry Mostly these two things, once on one level or on one side, how to clearly establish what's the ultimate goal to attain for each one, 
and on the other side where we are now and what steps do we need to take to advance progressively to that that ultimate goal <clears throat> so that's basically how sadhu sangha is defined getting together and nourishing each other through sincere inquiry Krishna says that in the Gita when he describes the glory of, of his devotees he says they are nourishing each other they are delighting each other together but by constantly speaking about me so of course constantly speaking about me means also sorry some please if you can mute yourself if you don't have any questions to present meanwhile so because the noise may get, got interrupted so okay so that's the way no that's the way to invoke Krishna's presence into our life, getting together hmm, with sincerity, integrity, and speaking about Him, singing about Him as you were doing some minutes ago, Krishna says, I'll be there. Hmm? They have some song, my Guru has sometimes called this song, I don't know the song, but just call my name, I'll be there or something, mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> so Krishna is saying that always in the Shastra, no? Aham Tishyami Bhai Kunti Yuginam Hridayesubha so I am not in Vaikuntha, he's saying, I am not in the hearts of the yogi. I am there when two of more or more of my devotees get together and call my name. I'm there. That's it. The power of love, that's the force of the strength of, of bhakti makes Krishna appear. That's, and that's the whole idea of our life. We want to make Krishna appear, although, of course, Krishna is everywhere in, one, in a generic sense, <laughs> but we want also Him present in a specific way, in a localized way in our heart. So, so Bhakti is the, the current that makes the Absolute in this unique phase as Bhagavan, Swayam Bhagavan, three Braja Krishna appear. So again, that's the idea of Istagosti. Again, it's not just like a ordinary formal meeting we are sitting in one circle and just we have someone has to say something so the the whole thing goes the whole show goes on <laughs> but it's really trying to to tear apart our chest and pour, pour our hearts into sincere inquiry and therefore that sincere inquiry in turn will will invoke sincere reciprocation and and, and, and that's how both parts are always nourishing and learning from each other so that's it. Mm -hmm. Are there any questions? <laughs> so we can try to to make honor and make justice to this divine concept of Istagosti, Sadhu Sangha, Harikirt and so on and so forth. Yeah. Madam Mohan has one question. Um, uh, so I've heard you speak um, on this concept a few times. I'm I'm interested in um, you know, obviously we've got this concept of Sahajism on the extreme end of, uh, you know, try, look, trying to be more advanced than we actually are, trying to act on a platform where we may not be yet. But then I've heard you, you discuss on the other end where 
um, where maybe we should be being pushed to, to another platform and uh, we're not embracing that. And I'm, I'd like to understand or maybe discuss more the nuances of um, uh, yeah, that concept in relation to also sometimes there might be a necessity for, for like horizontal um, kind of stability, let's say, or um, needing to act on a certain platform um, for, you know, for a period to come to the next platform. Like, so the kind of, yeah, the subtleties and the distinguishment of that, that, I wonder if you could elaborate on this kind of concept of uh, that end of Sahajism, mm -hmm. so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, first I've briefly re recap the notion of Sahajism and, and mm. the different varieties of that, because I don't know how much familiar everyone is with that, but the idea of Sahajism or Sahaja comes from the, the word sah Sahaja. Sahaja means like... Mm, like something that you are born with, basically. Sahaja. No? Saha means like with, and ja has to do with janma. So janma is like birth. So something that is inborn, or, or is with you, it, it implying something that will be natural for you to perform. You are born with something. So why I, I say this? Because although generally, and we will get there, the term sahaja is used by most Godias in a pejorative sense, it actually ultimately is the highest glorification. For example, Ramananda Roy, he's describing the Chaitanya Charitamrita as Sahaja Vaishnava. So, so the question is, what does it mean? <laughs> and of course, he's famous for being in his absorption, devotional absorption, before joining Mahaprabhu, before even meeting him in. In, in, in Gandaki in South India, he, say, he said that at one point he was teaching the Devadasis, which are these young girls that dance for Jagannath. He was teaching them how to dance. And in the context of doing so, sometimes he was touching her, them, like showing how to move and present the proper mudras for the pleasure. So that may be understood. Oh, that's why he's called Sahaja Vaishnav, you know, because sometimes the term Sahaja is used in a pejorative sense for those who in the name of the highest thing indulge in the lowest basically. No? But the point is that Ramananda Roy was not at all indulging in any type of sense indulgence. He was totally absorbed in, in his inner identity in Brajalila's Bishaka Gopi. And in the mood of a gopi he was seeing all these devadasis at gopis and he was instructing he she he was instructing them how to dance for Jagannath without any type of, um, let's say, mental agitation, if you will, mental movements because of contact with opposite sex or anything. No? So, so and, and the gopis themselves, Krishna Daska, Swami also, Chaitanya Charitamrita, he, 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 in one point, presents the gopis as sahajas, aprakrita sahajas. So that further qualifies the idea. No? Aprakrita sahaja. So aprakrita means something which seems prakrita, but which is aprakrita. Prakrita means mundane. Hmm? So aprakrita means it seems mundane, it's super mundane, it's totally transcendental. So the gopis are aprakrita sahaja. Again, sahaja means natural. So someone with inborn natural love for Krishna. Hmm? 
even though it may take the form of some mundane form of romantic interaction, but actually is totally transcendental. They are called Aprakrita Sahaja. So on one end of the spectrum we have the Braja Gopikas, the highest form of Sahajism, if you will, <laughs> that we are after in the Gaudiya Sampradaya. No? That's the role model to follow for most Gaudias, the Gopis. I mean, we are not against all forms of Sahajism, that's my point, to begin with, to understand the, the term. And of course, on the other side, and that goes more to your question, we have the other, the general idea of Sahaja, which is connected with the idea of, uh, like, how do you say in English? Maybe this word doesn't exist, but like easygoing thing, like you want this, this, the highest thing without being willing to pay the real price for that. Mm -hmm. So there are two ways in, in which this can be framed. Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta described this as sahajas or prakrita sahajas. Mm -hmm. So we have pra prakrita sahajas, in the middle we have something like sahajas, and in the low end we have prakrita sahajas. So what what's the meaning? Aprakrita sahajas are again the gopis and these devotees who have ragatmikas. No, ragatmikas means they are made of love for Krishna. That's an interesting idea, no? because generally we speak in terms of having love for Krishna, obtaining love of Krishna, because love for Krishna is not inherent in the jiva, just in case. <laughs> prema is not inborn, it's a gift. So we, we do not have prem, but we can receive prem. We can develop prem by receiving bhakti and so on. That's another topic. <laughs> but the point is, there are certain people who do not receive prem, who do not receive bhakti, but who do not have prem, but who are made of prem. It is a categorical difference. No? They are called raga atmikas. Raga atmikas mean they whose atma, and atma doesn't only mean soul or something like that, but atma is a word that applies also to body, to mind, intelligence, to the whole sense of identity, their minds, intelligence, body, and inner being, all of them are raga, are composed of passionate, sacred attachment hmm, for Krishna. So, and these raga atmikas are the ones to be followed in what we call raga anuga bhakti. Hmm? Our tradition, our school is called raga anuga bhakti. This is what Mahaprabhu came to give. Hmm? So he came to taste a particular type of prem, and as a consequence of that, as a result of that, he's establishing in the world a whole process which is the result of his own tasting and overflowing, and that process is called Raga, raga Marga, or Raga Nuga Bhakti, which consists in following the Ragatmikas, or those eternal associates of Bhagavan in Braj, who are made of love of Krishna, who personify the type of love for Krishna, and who are to be followed as the role model to emulate, you say, in the hope of attaining that similar type of path. Sorry if I extend myself too much, but it's important to unpack this notion. So, that's Aprakrita Sahaja. Someone who is really with love for Krishna, not only born, but they are made of that. They are embodiments of love, the form of love. That one is kind of form of beauty, as the book there is saying. No? 
So beauty has to have a form, and love has to have a form, basically, for it to be, uh, how to say, no? addressed properly. You want to come, come here, come closer so we can be place for you, or see it, or hear, whatever. So, so that's it. On one end of the spectrum, we have this notion, the notion of aprakrita sahaja, personified in the associates in Braj, Lagatmikas, Vajagopikas, and so on. These people who are personifications of love for Krishna. So they do not have love for Krishna, but they are love for Krishna. So that's aprakrita sahajas. As Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami mentions, they are totally born, inclined, made. The whole quantum is 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 conceived in, in direction. They don't have a second, a second choice, if you will, second notion. They have always been in that direction. Then Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta speaks about sahajas and prakrita sahajas. But first, we have to establish again the ultimate sahajism, a prakrita sahajas. <laughs> which is our goal to attain, if you will. We are not that against sahajism in every sense of the term. <laughs> there is place for, for legal sahajism. <laughs> so sahajas, or let's go to the low end, a prakrita sahajas means those who in the name of the highest type of natural spontaneous love engage in mundane, let's say, sexuality in the context of like, imitating, for example, Rasalila and and they themselves wanting to be the personification of Purushabhav and having their own hmm, gopis around and so on. While the whole process of bhakti is not so much stepping into Purushabhav. I mean, we have already stepped considerably into that. The whole Purushabhav means this mood of being the, the enjoyer, basically. So you don't need to be a man or a woman for that. Being conditioned soul means Purushabhav is prominent. So the whole idea is of bhakti is Prakriti-bhava, para-prakriti-bhava. Being prakriti as ourself, being shakti, not being shakti-man, entering under the shelter of bhakti, which is the para-prakriti, the ultimate divine energy. They've been prakriti, masritaha, Krishna says in the Gita, mahatmanastumam partam. My devotees, great souls, are the ones who put themselves under the shelter of my divine energy, which means sarup-shakti, bhakti-shakti. So we are... And to put to, to put ourselves under the shelter of Paraprakriti or Swarup Shakti is so desirable that even even the personification of Purusha Bhav, who is Krishna himself, Purushatam, <laughs> he himself attempts that at Sri Goranga. He says, Everyone is trying to be God in this world, but I'm God and I'm trying to be to enter into Prakriti Bhav, into the mood of a devotee. So he's telling the world you want to be God, you are all mistaken. I'm God, and I'm trying to be a devotee. <laughs> so again, those who in the name of the highest, most esoteric type of interaction that we find between Radha and Krishna, Gopis and Krishna and Braj, Madhurya, Bhava and so on, they imitate those pastimes while trying to themselves enter into the shoes of Purusha. That's called Prakrita Sahaja which is Prakrita. Prakrita means basically mundane. So it's a mundane type of spontaneity, if you will. 
It's not the Sahajism we find in the Braja Gopikas. That's totally devoid of all sense of exploitation, all sense of Purusha Bhav. So Aprakrita Sahaja means cheap imitation, basically. You don't want to, you are not willing to pay the price for real love. You speak in terms of real love, you use all, you may learn all the glossary, but you are not willing to, to invest yourself in that direction. So that's the lowest end, because it takes the form of cheap imitationism, and I mean, that's going on sometimes in different parts, in India and other places also. And in between these two, between Aprakrita Sahaja and Prakrita Sahaja, we have Sahaja, as, as Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta will term, which basically means not one extreme nor the other, but you are between those two, and we go to that point regarding the question of Madhu Mohan Prabhu, which means you are not imitating Krishna's Rasa Leela, let's say, you are not going to that wild extreme, <laughs> but at the same time you are not on the situation that you are able to be a gopi, if you will, or be a gopa in Raj and, and, and just, you are not a ragatmika to begin with. No, I mean, that's a fact, so we have to acknowledge that. So Sahaja in between means, I'm not imitating the lowest thing, but at the same time I'm not willing to, or I'm, let's say, I'm rushing, in the words of Srila Bhakti Dev Goswami Maharaj, fools rush where angels fear to threat. <laughs> so there is a higher domain of attainment and I hear about that somehow and I want to go there but I, I maybe even I may, I may be doing that without bad intention I may be just really uh, naive in my pursuit and I just want to go there but I'm not really taking the time to acknowledge all the different things that need to be in place for me to really enter there, access there, and maintain myself there forever. Mm -hmm. And I may not be willing also to learn about those things. That's when it starts to become really sahaja. <laughs> when you really do not have the intention of exposing yourself to the teachings that will somehow, uh, how to say, filter your approach to the higher domain and put you to test your own sincerity in that, because a high thing. I mean, it's not a cheap thing. There is a price to pay. And, and, and we should be willing to know which is the price and how much we are willing to pay the price. Mm -hmm. So in what direction one variety of being a sahaja means this? No? Maybe I'm not imitating again in a gross way, so I, I, I'm not labeled as a prakrita sahaja, but still one of the two words remain with me, <laughs> sahaja. If I somehow want to taste something on some level, but I'm not willing, again, not only to pay the price, but first of all, to know what's the price. Because if you don't know what's the price, how we, you will pay the price. Mm -hmm. Krishna says to the gopis in the, in the, in the zenith of the Bhagavatam, when he says the famous sloka, Napari yam nirabhadya sanjayam sasadu kritam bibudaya sapiva jamava jandurjaragiha shrinkala sambrishyatadva pratiyatu sadhanam. He's saying to the gopis after he reappeared in the rasa mandal after disappearing from them and, and after witnessing the, the glories of their love in separation from him, engaging in kirtan, in viraha kirtan, in separation. And Krishna says to them, 
I witness the glory of your love, and, and that glory and that love is so deep, to such a degree you, are, you love me, that I don't find that I have the chance to properly reciprocate with you. And in the Gita I'm saying, according to how you approach me, I reciprocate. I made that statement to the world that's quite famous. Almost every devotee knows that. But now I am witnessing the depth of your prem and I realize I, I don't have the capacity to reciprocate. I have to contradict myself. What I said in the Gita, in the Bhagavatam, I'm saying something more. <laughs> so that's how we also understand how the Bhagavatam is, is the natural sequel of the Gita. Krishna says something in the Gita, and we reach the Bhagavatam, he starts contradicting himself in the Gita, or <laughs> relating what he said in the Gita. Because he spoke in the Gita on some level, to certain audience, and etc., etc., but in the, in, the, in, the high, in, the, in the apex of the Bhagavatam, in the Rasa, Lila, and Vrindavan, he's been exposed to another type of love, and he finds himself, oh, I can't reciprocate with the love of the gopis, because as we say, um, I mean, they are giving everything for me. But I am divided into so many devotees. So many devotees approach me and I have to reciprocate with everyone. Dasya, Vatsalya, Sakya, Madhurya, in other forms, in other manifestations. But the gopis, they only have me. Everything goes to me. They even reject everyone else for my sake. Even in comparison to other inhabitants of Braj. For example, I don't know. Some friends of Krishna love Krishna. For example, Subal loves Krishna. And he doesn't need to reject his other friends for loving Krishna. Jashoda loves Krishna. She doesn't have to reject Nanda Maharaj for loving Krishna. But Sri Radha loves Krishna in such a way that she has to reject Abhimanju, Jatila, Kutila, everyone else <laughs> for the sake of loving Krishna. Hmm? So that's a particular type of love that entails... Hmm? leaving everything behind for the sake of hmm, that particular connection. So Krishna is saying, seeing the degree of the gopis' love and saying, I, I cannot reciprocate accordingly. Hmm? So, may your love be your own reward, basically. That's what Krishna is saying to the gopis here. No? I cannot re re reward your love, but your love is its own That's the conclusion. Love, love is its own reward. And it is such a reward that... No. It's okay, it's okay. It's such a, a reward that I would like to taste that reward myself. And that's why Sanatana Goswami comments there, this verse of the Bhagavatam is the beginning, or, or is the, 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 the official beginning in Krishna Lila of Gaur Lila. Because Krishna is witnessing the degree of Shirada's love. And he, he says, not only I cannot pay that, I want to have an experience of that. I want to taste that. So that's what eventually takes him to appear as Sriman Mahaprabhu. So, which was my point in connection to what I was saying before? In connection to Sahaja? Sahaja. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. So Krishna, but my point is, Krishna is saying to the gopis, I cannot pay back. Huh? And basically Krishna is saying, the implication is, I actually do not have an, an idea of how much do I have to pay back. So before you pay back something, you have to know what's the, the depth. Like Krishna himself said, your love for me is such that that I don't I don't I don't have a yeah. You're saying how much we pay back Krishna, how much we have to pay back Krishna. 
No, no, no. I'm speaking when Krishna is seeing the love of the gopis ah, for him. Right. He himself feels, so you love me so much, you love me so much, that I don't know how much of the debt I have ah, yes. taken from you. So what to speak about paying back? First I have to know how much to pay back, but I don't know. But I will try my best. And that's what we call Goranga Mahaprabhu. Mm-hmm. Krishna is trying to acknowledge his depth of love and trying to pay by making devotees for, for Sri Radha and the gopis. So going back to the idea, for a minute I went in another direction, but it's connected. Sahaja means, in another case, I, I'm, not, I'm in certain level of denial about knowing how much do I have to pay myself to make progress to the goal I want. But also, and, and there finally I arrive after half an hour to the point of Madam Mohan's question, but I needed to give some context to the thing. We have this notion that another form of being a Sahaja means not only I'm rushing towards something that is beyond my present eligibility, but also another variety of being an easygoing person, if you will, of trying to have do things in an too much comfortable comfort zone, if you will, is I am being called to make progress in certain direction, in certain degree, and I'm not accepting that call. And I'm trying to force myself into a, a lower stage where I should I'm no I do not longer belong there. I am insisting in remaining, let's say, in kindergarten while I'm 25 years old or something. <laughs> so that's another form of being sahaja in the other direction. One form is I'm rushing towards something that is beyond me, but another form will be uh, I should be growing, but I am in certain denial of that and I want to remain hmm, like a babysitter, kindergarten, Gaudiya Vaishnava or something. <laughs> so I, again, I'm not willing to acknowledge all that is need to be taken in order to progress to the next stages and and, and, and there will the call for progress will come to our lives those things will come that's the thing the, the problem is when when those invitations to progress come and we really reject those no? or, or an invitation to develop a higher conception of things deeper broader come to our lives and somehow we reject that that when it becomes a problem because for a certain stage and going to the question we may be what sometimes in our tradition is called a kanishta bhakta, which is not something wrong. I mean, we are not demonizing <laughs> being kanishta. There is place for that. There is like the beginner stage of our practice. So we may not be too concerned with making progress, actually. That's the symptom of concern with progress has more to do with the madhyam bhakta, the intermediate devotee, the progressive practitioner. He or she will be more like concerned with progressing not like obsession or paranoia but just like a healthy concern am i making progress i want to make progress how to make progress and there will be inquiry in that direction and willingness to change because again progress goes hand by hand with change it's not like i want to make progress you have to change oh i don't want to change but i want to make progress but i don't want to change well (laughs) <laughs> one thing goes hand by hand with the other. You want to make progress, you have to change. Because that's what it means to make progress. I mean, you change. 
And then you may realize, oh, I don't want to change. <laughs> so gradually you start to label, but I need to change. I should change. I have to develop some affinity towards this idea of change. It's not, it's not bad, basically. So what is refraining me for wanting to change? Why I'm afraid of change? So all this introspection process has to activate in, in, in one as a practitioner. So in the context of that, Man Mohan is asking this question of, okay, we understand the idea, we need to change, there is an invitation for progress, but of course that has to be done in a sustainable way. We cannot just from one day to another make a quantum leap and, and, and all the change we have to do will be attained in a weekend or something. It's a very, it's a gradual process. Hmm. Not that gradual either, no? We're gonna, because we can take that as, a, as an excuse. No, Marash, it's gradual. Yeah, it's gradual, but, but it's as gradual as you make it gradual also. <laughs> there has to be some, how to say, some some passion, if you will, no? some longing no? invested there as well. So it is, there has to be some in between. Like the example sometimes we give of the, of the mother who is, who is pregnant. No? So you are pregnant. I don't know what's that about in this life, and by, I got an idea. So you are you you are the mother will be longing for for meeting her babies. Not that she's like nine months just like indifferent and waiting. Well whenever he comes whenever he comes I, I will know and we will meet each other, it's okay. Meanwhile my life goes on. No, those nine months will be like a type of samadhi for the mother, no like expecting and wait but at the same time that person knows I have to wait nine months. I cannot just I mean, longing will be there, but patience, patience have to be there as well. The two have to nourish each other and protect each other. So similarly, progress as a Gaudiya, as a practitioner, uh, depends on these two sides. No, you have to wait, but you have to long. But when you long too much, you may become a Sahaja, <laughs> and when you wait too much, you may become a Sahaja also. <laughs> No, these two different sides of the coin. No, you wait too much and you, you, you should be longing a little bit, or you are longing too much, you should wait a little bit. <laughs> so we have to find this middle path that will be changing in every single stage. So Mohan is asking at some parts of our life or practice, sometimes the sadhaka, the devotee, has to pay attention to some aspect of his or her life which may be considered relative if you will, or, or, or sometimes my Guru Maharaj uses to describe them as horizontal development. No? Like establishing yourself in, in this world, creating some foundation as a human being, even in terms emotional terms, psychological terms, financial terms. No? So many things that one needs to, most practitioner needs to satisfy, on, one, on some level, because there's no end to how much you can satisfy the thing, but on some level, to be a whole, whole, to attain wholeness, no whole human being. But that horizontal development is not the goal, but it's just the proper platform. So your bimana, let's say, <laughs> your, your plane, you, know, you can attain vertical development, which means spiritual development. But generally for spiritual vertical development, <clears throat> first you need horizontal development. You need some basis, some foundation as a human in the world, because sometimes it's not in the name of of being transcendentalist, hmm, you may become 
just evasive of certain necessities you may have as a human. And, and for us being transcendentalists, doesn't mean stop being a human. No? Because sometimes that's a, that idea may, may come. Transcendence means everything that goes against humanity or something. <laughs> no? How to be hard-hearted, indifferent, don't be affected by anything, don't feel anything, and you get closer more to a rock than to an inhabitant of Brindavan or something. <laughs> and in Brindavan you find the fullness of humanity. You found Nara Lila. And you find the fullness of transcendence at the same time. The two of them are perfectly integrated there. Krishna himself, Mahaprabhu himself, their lilas are a very perfect mixture of humanity and transcendence. And one is not doing away with the other, but one is facilitating the other. And we are to learn that lesson being here. You know? Being a devotee is not just whatever. I sit and chant and transcend everything on my way. And nothing <laughs> affects me. And I... I do not need to eat and to sleep and to mate and to work and to just chanting and try it if you want no problem. <laughs> Share the report. Try, try. But the point is generally we need some other things in between. No, Srila Prabhupada have said chant and be happy, and that's totally true. But also we should know that between the chant and the be happy, there are some parentheses with many considerations again inside that we have to pay attention to. Because we are not only chanting and being happy. We are doing so many other things that we need to. <laughs> so the question is, some of these things sometimes may be seen as, I don't know, as a distraction or as something that is not so directly part of our life of bhajan or, or something that may be seen as a form of sahajism, if you will. <laughs> like I'm relaxing myself, I'm just pulling back and not allowing to be taken by the current towards the higher domains or something. And of course, that can happen. Of course, in the name of horizontal development, we may over-indulging in horizontal development when some vertical stuff is required also. <laughs> but in some cases, that's not the case. That's something totally necessary for the vertical development. I'm, re I'm giving a general reply here. Every case is so different and unique so in some cases yeah that can be an excuse i i need to balance myself emotionally physically okay but sometimes you can i mean everything can become an excuse if you are not sincere <laughs> everything krishna consciousness can become an excuse even spirituality gaudiya vaishnavism can become the perfect excuse to whatever develop a superiority complex be full of pride <laughs> Or, or, or whatever, or, or, or enter a comfort zone. I'm the higher, the highest practice, the highest ideal. I'm, and subtly you are saying, I'm above a, every other person. Subtly sometimes that can happen. But again, that's not necessarily the case. Many devotees may need to to atten attend, you say, to pay attention to, to some of these issues in the context of their ultimate attainment, that's an important thing. You know, what's putting everything else in, in, in context? Mm -hmm. For example, these days I was learning one shloka from from Brahma Stuti, from the prayers of Brahma after the Brahma Vimohan Lila. So it says like this, let's see if I learn it. <laughs> it says Tava Ragada Yastana, Tavad Griham, Tavad Kara Griham Griham, Tavad Pada Angrini Gado. Yavat Krishna Natejana. Hmm. So Brahma is saying very nicely, 
it's one of those heavy Bhagavatam verses, but properly understood is totally real and totally sweet. No? So it says, he's praying to Krishna. So he's saying, as long as people do not become your devotees, Brahma is saying to Krishna, and he mentions three things. As long as someone does not become your devotee, one's desires becomes like thieves. One house becomes like a prison, and one's affectionate feeling for one's relative becomes like foot shackles. So, again, it's not here that Brahma is condemning having a family. He's saying, as long as <laughs> no, you are not seeing everything in connection to the center, whatever you do will entangle you. It's not about those things in particular. It's about how you deal with those things in particular. And he's indirectly saying, but if you become a devotee, those same things that are entangling you can facilitate you're up, 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 uplifting and grading. It's not that it's, there's a problem with having a wife, uh, affectionate feelings or a house. The problem is when you think all of them in terms of hamamati, my house, my wife, my children, they're mine for my enjoyment, I'm the boss here, or whatever. That's the problem. The entanglement starts there. So... That's the point. Again, no? I mean, you can attend all those necessities in the con in the proper context of nourishing the center, and that's no problem. Not only no problem, that will add to the equation. Hmm? But again, it's it's about the sincerity of of, of each one in, in in that connection. Hmm? And of course, this is not an excuse to say, okay, so then I will just engage in relative issues, but all for Krishna. So, but I do not do any other sadhana. I just do stuff in the world, but I offer that to Krishna in my mind, and that's my sadhana. Our chair will say, no. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Because for you to have the capacity of connecting everything with Krishna, <laughs> you need to engage directly in those activities which are inherently bhakti. In the, term, in the words of Srila Jiva Goswami, this is called Swarup Siddha Bhakti. So he speaks about Sangha Siddha Bhakti, Arup Siddha Bhakti, and Sarup Siddha Bhakti. So in brief words, the first two have more to do, or the, the last one, Sarup Siddha Bhakti means activities which are directly Bhakti, like Kirtan, Artanam, Padasevanam, Artanam, Bandhanam, Dasyan, Sakyamatma, Nivedanam, Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnushma, and so on. All these main core activities of Bhakti, Sadhu, Sangha, Nama, Kirtan, Bhagavats, this is bhakti. Even and, and the other activities can become bhakti, but are not inherently bhakti. Now, for example, peeling potatoes, that's not bhakti. <laughs> I mean, if not, everyone will are, is already in Golok Vrindavan. I mean, everyone is peeling potatoes every day. But it's not bhakti. But it can be bhakti if you do that in a certain context with a certain mentality. But for doing that con correctly, you have to engage in those activities which are directly bhakti, which will purify and give you the vision of how to engage everything else in bhakti. Because if, if you don't dedicate some time for deep bhajan, I mean, don't cheat yourself, you won't be able to go to the world and just see everything in terms of Krishna Seva. That won't happen. Sorry. Why not? <laughs> Sorry? Why, why not? 
because we, we generally we don't have that capacity that vision i mean we need some some grace some some purification some maturity of course if someone acquired that maturity and vision from some time we may seem some exceptions to the rule there are always exceptions to the rule but we should never think we are the exception to the rule <laughs> even if we are you know, we, will, we will think in those terms it's like it's like living your life without working because you think i someday i will win the lottery yeah someday you may but for sure almost you won't there's 0.010001 possibility of that so it's oh, i won't study i won't work because someday i make one lottery that's, that's a like that so we need to engage in in some sadhana in some practice that will attract god's grace and gradually that will give us a vision that that's the very definition that <clears throat> that rupa goswami gives of yukta vairagi and on the opposite prapanchikataya budya so he's speaking about yukta vairagya and falgu vairagya so yukta vairagya means i see everything in connection to krishna i'm free from attachment of seeing everything in connection to me and Krishna Sambanda. I see everything in connection to Krishna. So I can engage everything with Krishna because everything has some inherent connection with its source. The point is we are seeing that or not. Um, falgo Vairagya or false Vairagya means the opposite. I'm, not in, I'm rejecting everything in the name of Vairagya, in the name of detachment, but I'm not seeing how everything has a connection with its source. I'm not acknowledging that connection and instead, I reject everything. Oh, no, no, in the name of being detached. Rupa Goswami, this, that's not detachment for us. <laughs> for us, detachment means you acknowledge the connection of everything with its source, with its center, Krishna, and you engage everything with that. That's much more comprehensive. So, basically, that, that's our idea. So, whether, whether we are sannyasis or vihastas or brahmacharis or whatever stage in life we may be, any of us, <clears throat> having to deal with whatever social dynamics or, or any dharma or engagement we may be in everything has the potential of being engaged of becoming bhakti mm. and but again we need certain mm, practice that may give us some context for that to appreciate that but at the same time we should be introspective and attentive you know? sometimes in the name of that again we are doing some relative things to be in a better situation in this world to practice bhakti. So it's a means to, to an end. It's not just an Because if not, there's no end to that. I always can find a little bit more comfort in this world and this and this could be better and this could be better. And I mean, you never do anything else apart from that. So it's important to, to draw a line also. <laughs> How much comfort, comfort do I really need? In my present situation, according to my nature, how much comfort do I really need to, to not go crazy, basically? <laughs> because if I go beyond that line, I may go crazy in another sense. And if I do not reach that line, I may go crazy in another sense. I will be dysfunctional if I need, I don't know, some emotional support from a partner and I force myself to be a monk 
and I will end up in the madhouse, maybe, you know? <laughs> in the name of monasticism. <laughs> <laughs> But if I go beyond my required need and, and think I, I should acquire more and everything and this should be get better and better and better instead of projecting all that ambition into the realm of bhakti, that will become a problem. So that requires introspection, daily observation of who we are, where we are, what do we need, what we no longer need. For some decades we may have needed something and after 10, 20 years, you realize, oh, I don't need this anymore. <laughs> but you will have a higher need, always. And that's the idea, no? I mean, you you can all, only re reject, if you will, or put aside some certain level of need by tasting or developing a higher need. Paramdrishta, Nibhartha, and things. Yeah. So that's how, how progress takes place, basically. No? <clears throat> I don't know if that helps. Okay, so we have some time. Do we have some limit of time? No, no, no. Okay, okay. So are there any other questions? I extended myself a little bit with this first one, but it was the inauguration question, so I need to <laughs> honor that properly. So is there any other question uh, in, connected, in connection with this or with whatever, any other topic? Can we ask any questions? Okay. Any question, yeah. Um, I wanted to ask about um, criticizing. Mm -hmm. um, so ev everything I've read, it's, it, it really strongly advises against criticizing, pointing the finger, and rather to point the finger at ourselves. Um, but I, um, I also read that as Madhyamadikaris, we have to see with one good eye and one bad eye, so we have to learn to discriminate. Mm -hmm. um, and in addition to that, I, I see that some. It seems as though this idea of not criticizing can be used as a way of not actually dealing with problems in individuals or groups or within our community. Um, so it's a very fine balance, very very difficult thing to constantly be looking at yourself and looking outside mm -hmm. and. L learning how to discriminate what is and what isn't. Maybe you could say something about that. Yeah. Yeah, of course it's in line with what we were somehow speaking because I was mentioning this idea that everything can become an, an excuse also. No? So mm -hmm. even in the name of not criticizing someone, we may be indulging in some type of laziness, if you will, or, or, or mediocrity. But we are called to develop certain criterion about discriminating and discriminating doesn't mean criticizing no that that's important point no? because what what Shastra is generally <clears throat> warning us about in connection to is what we may call gossip let's say gossip so that that's we know very many 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 sections in Shastra like you remember the famous section where Raghunadas Goswami <laughs> he's He's our Prayojan Tattvacharya. He's among the Goswami. He's the one who embodies the ultimate goal to attain. You read his books all about Radha Dasyam and the highest, most esoteric type of <laughs> poetry. And at one point in the in the unfolding of the Leela, he's, he's asking Mahaprabhu, I would like to receive some personal instruction from you. Because Mahaprabhu said, 
you will be in the hands of Swarup Damodar. And he will instruct you. He knows more than me, Mahaprabhu said. So you can imagine, I'm giving you the best. But Raghunath at one point insisted, please give me some some personal lesson. So my Guru Mahaprabhu said, one may wonder at this point, oh, what will Mahaprabhu say to him? Because he's the Raghunath Das is the Prayojan Tattvacharya, Mahaprabhu is Paratattva Simma, the, the highest form of divinity. So what will be that instruction so deep and confidential? <laughs> <laughs> and it is, it is, it is, it is for sure. But it seems something else. It begins, Mahaprabhu begins saying, "Gramya katanas nive gramya bartana kahibe," which means, "Do not hear gossip, do not speak gossip." That's the beginning. Well, of course, he's not telling that to Raghunadas, but to us, Raghunadas Goswami was totally was a Goswami. Goswami means. Not gossip. It's, it sounds similar. Goswami, gossip, but it's, <laughs> one is the opposite of the other. <laughs> Goswami means master of his senses, and the tongue is the most difficult to control, as we know. So, to be a Goswami, you have to control your tongue, basically. Vachavubhigam, the impulse of speech. Which doesn't mean do not speak, but just one form is do not gossip. Of course, Mahaprabhu told him many other things after that. Huh? Again, not to him, but to us. Do not wear fancy clothes. To Raghunadas, who was just wearing a coping, a loincloth. <laughs> no, it seems like even like ironic or something. Do not eat fancy food. To him, that was eating what even the cows from Jagannathpuri were not were rejecting because it was so rotten or something. He would go and bring some, pick some grains of rice, wash them, some little salt, on our Jagannath Mahaprasad. <laughs> So Mahaprabhu saying, do not eat fancy food. What does he mean? No, it's for us. <laughs> and again, then chant Sri Harinam in the spirit of the third verse of Sikshastakam. Brajimana Radha Krishna Siva Manasa Kariva. And serving your mind Radha Krishna Vrindavan. In two verses he goes all the spectrum. And converging. Render Lila Shmaran Manasa Seva to Radha Krishna Vrindavan. How it begins? Do not be a gossiper. <laughs> like implying you won't reach there if you still are here <laughs> again another form of sahajism no I won't rather than Krishna and Brad how much do you gossip first <laughs> have you really pay, paid full attention how much you are doing with that stuff first bef before trying to even conceive that mm -hmm. so and, and the other day we, we were speaking with in Finland now with Shamananda Prabhu and he he quoted one one scene from one movie he saw, interesting one, and he told me that there was like a one priest giving a sermon about gossip, and he was it was a very interesting like symbol. And I told him every time I will he gave me the example. Say every time I will speak about gossip in a class from now on I will quote that example <laughs> because and today is the first moment. So with your permission I, I have to. It's quite fresh. <laughs> so basically, it's a simple one. But the idea is someone was asking the other person, what's gossip? What's gossip? And which are the consequences of gossip? Because one say, why is gossip so much like condemned, if you will? Why? Why? It doesn't seem that dangerous. So he said, okay, you go to the rooftop of a building and you take a pillow. And those pillows that were made with feathers. So you go to the rooftop of the building with the pillow and open the pillow and empty the pillow from the rooftop. 
So the person returns, okay, I did that. Okay, so that's gossip. And the person says, why that's gossip? Oh, yes, sorry, I have to. Now you go and pick all, every, each and every single feather that you spread everywhere. Bring them back and make the pillow back again. And the person says, ah, it's impossible. I don't know where all the feathers went. I mean, who knows? That's gossip. <laughs> no? You say one thing, but <laughs> how can then, no? how can then you rearrange, reheal all the things? You don't know all different, especially nowadays, social media. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's even much, this instruction is even much more necessarily emphasized in this age. No? You can say something, and you don't know. You don't control where all that will end, all the different routes and highways and around the world in five seconds. <laughs> of course, if you say something nice, that's, a, that's incredible, that's great. You don't know either, but it's blessing who knows who, where, but the gossip, mm, that's delicate. So it's, it's, a, it's a complex thing, you know, because again, you throw that and the sound is out of your mouth and can... And that's how gossip works, you know, because someone will, if you want something to be spread like wildfire, you just tell the person, Gokul Chandra, I'm telling you this, but you have to promise me, you will, won't tell this to anyone. That's the only thing you need to do for that to be spread like wildfire. <laughs> I mean, I'm not speaking regarding to Gokul Chandra in particular, no? he's trustworthy, but generally that's the idea. I have to tell you something, but only to you. Yes, 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 no problem, no problem. No, 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 and the other person will go to other one and say, "But only to you, nothing, no one else." Okay, 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 okay. So that's a par the gossip parampara established. No? I mean, so multi-branched. <laughs> so, so on one side you have this totally unbecoming gossip. I mean, it's totally, un it's, it's, it's basically the exact opposite of what we want, what's a devotee about, what's Krishna Kata, what's the, the nature of a Vaishnava. Gossip is just the exact 180 degrees opposite <laughs> stance to take. So that's mainly when, when the Shastras say do not criticize others. No? Like, do not just point, as we were mentioning, and in a cheap way, in a destructive way, basically, because that was gossip. I mean... I mean Gossip generally is criticism, but it's a criticism that is not pointing to healing, it's not pointing to uplifting, it's not pointing to constructive uh, growth, but it's just for its own sake, pointing for pointing's own sake, basically. And of course, behind that pointing is a lot of personal cowardness and evasion, evasiveness, and not trying to recognize whatever we have to change, and it's so much easy, it seems so at least, to point, but as they say, with one finger we are pointing others, but three fingers are pointing back to you, so <coughs> the reality of the whole situation is <laughs> everything will, will go back to you, so you can, now, if you want, if someone is a madhyam or wants to be established into this intermediate progressive discriminating stage, which is really necessary, <laughs> One needs to see certain things. But the, the difference, I will say, will be that one will see certain things in the context of um, helping others. That's what Srila Rupa Goswami mentions in the Padishamrita, what the Bhagavatam mentions with describing Madhya Bhakta is 
he will love Krishna, he will have friendship with devotees, he will be compassionate towards the innocent, and he will avoid the envious persons, envious people. And although, interestingly, Rupa Goswami said that all those different types of discrimination will be executed in the context of serving each person. What's the best way that I can, in other words, what's the best way I can serve an envious person? Taking a distance from that person. <laughs> because, and that speaks how unbecoming is envy. Because <laughs> the best thing I can do for you is take a distance. I mean, wow. <laughs> mm -hmm. I want to serve you, but because you have envy, the only thing I can do for serving you is taking a distance. Because the more I get closer, the more the venom of envy starts to come. So, unfortunately, I, I have to serve you in this only unique way what to do but the point is this devotee is concerned about serving everyone so what, whatever stance that devotee takes whether as a senior or as a junior or as an equal or as a taking distance from an envious person all that will be done in the context of serving everyone not so much I'm higher and I, oh, here it comes here, here there is a newcomer no? I will instruct him about how to do things because I'm the senior devotee here. It's not like, <laughs> it's like, oh, Vaishnava, I will serve, how I can better serve this Vaishnava? Okay, by nourishing his faith as an elder. I mean, I take that stance in, in the context of service, not because I'm thinking I'm better than you or something. So the similar thing is with seeing some defects or, or, or things. When I say defects, actually I will say things to be uh, improved. No, that's a much <laughs> generous way to say. Not so much that you have this fault, you have this an art. You, because a madhyam bhakta, a mad intermediate devotee will be, how to say, advanced enough to not limit the person to that particular thing that he or she has to change. No? Because that's a whole art, no? To to mention, to criticize others, const constructive criticism. Constructive criticism means whatever I'm telling is a f big commitment. <laughs> we spoke in Bulgaria, think about that. No? There are some stages we should go through for really engaging in constructive criticism and not gossip. Now, to begin with, I don't know, if I'm seeing, I get to know you a little bit and I see, okay, Suki Krishna, Prabhu, I, I'm seeing this particular thing that could be improved. But first of all, I have to ask myself, is, is actually Suki Krishna Prabhu or is my own thing projected on him? Yeah. Because that can happen. Shastra says, Atmana, Atmaban, Manjati, Jagat. Which means, whatever is in our own mind, sometimes we see the world according to that. We put that, those lens, I don't know, we have the lens of envy, and we start to, it's like a red glass. So you put a red glass, everything is red. I mean, you see everything red. But maybe nothing is red. <laughs> Your lens are showing you, everything is red. So if you put the lens of envy, you may see, oh, everyone is envious. Oh, everyone is envious of me. Yeah. And maybe now no one is envious, but you are just full of envy and projecting all. So first one should try to be sure... If I'm seeing something in the other person to be improved, first I have to make sure it's, it's actually the other person. That's what I'm worried about. I'm worried. <laughs> and that may take some time, and one may ask some other sadhus to, to confirm that, because 
Sometimes one may be mistaken. We may, we may have good intention even, but we may just be confused and just project something that may be in us. Maybe it's in us and maybe it's in the other person also. <laughs> no, because that can happen also. It's not only me. But first I should see that. I mean, it's in me or it's in the other person. If I somehow get to understand, no, no, it's that person should improve that. Then the, pers- the second question is, and why, why will I tell Sukhi Krishna, you, you, should need, you, you should improve this? I have the good intention of seeing you growing? Because if I'm not a well-wisher, why am I telling you that? Just to feel good about myself, to feel, oh, you are below me, or whatever. No? So I, I should, like, confirm, I have good intention. I, want, I have a constructive intention mentioning that to you, like a compassionate expression, like a, way, a form of love, basically, a form of affection. I mean, if you do that with affection, that will be so powerful. If a real friend approaches us and very lovingly and sincerely says, I think this could be upgraded and, and, and you will become the best version of yourself. You will feel like, wow, not like empowered. No. Not like discouraged. Oh, why is he saying that to me? But you'll say, oh, thank you so much. Mm. Not, not anyone and everyone have the capacity of saying those things. So, And last but not least, <laughs> if, if, if we tell someone, you should change this, you should change that, and I realize I have good intention. Also, I should commit myself that if I tell you, Suki Krishna Prabhu, I think this thing in particular you should change for your upgrading in your life. But you are not alone with with the, with this thing. You have to change. I'm with you. I will accompany you. I will help you in whatever you need in your process of changing that. It's not just, well, yes, you need to change that. So. Good luck, goodbye, <laughs> and I'll leave you. And you're like, oh my God, what do I have to do with this? Do I have to change it? Yeah, I have to change it. But, but if the person is saying, yes, I see this, but I'm here with you. You have my shoulder. You can count of me. We are in this too. And because I, I, I dare to open my mouth to mention that to you, that creates a, a bond, a commitment. It's not that you should change that. If you If you allow yourself to say that, you are saying also, and I commit myself to accompany you so you can change that. You can, I mean, you have to do your part, but I'm with you and we can help each other. No? So, so if, if one is going through all these stages <laughs> properly, one can open one's mouth and criticize others. It's not critic in, in the negative sense of the term. It's a form of affection. Again, it's love. Even though it takes the form of criticism, actually it's love. And sometimes we know the opposite can happen. Someone may praise you in a very hypocrite way, cheap way, wanting something from you. <laughs> so in the name of praise, they are actually attacking you. And others in the name of criticism, they are actually being affectionate with you. And one more thing that my Guru Mahesh always mentioned is that, of course, for this to happen and to take place in, in a healthy way, a Vaishnava, a Madhyam Bhakta especially, is someone who will look at at us and not limit us or over identify us according to our to that thing that we need to change. We may have whatever, an arta, whatever call put the name you want. But the, the sadhu is not saying, "Oh, you are that." 
No? The cells are seeing our potential. Celestial Mars will say, your future is brilliant. So the sadhus is seeing us, and they're not just judging us, oh, you have this art and this limitation, and this shadow and this defect. They may be seeing that, but on top of that, they are seeing all that you can be, all that you can become, and all your potential. And they identify you with that potential. No. Even though we may not be fully identified with that potential. <laughs> So they are much more generous with us than what, how generous we are with ourselves. <laughs> Sometimes we are not too generous with ourselves and we choose to self-identify, limit our own sense of self to something totally limited and, and, and obscure and dark. But the sadhus are seeing us and identifying ourselves with the highest reach we can achieve. So, again... That's their main identification of us for them. So meanwhile, they may point, this should be upgraded, this could change, but all that in the context of, because you can become all this. They are not saying, you are that that you need to change, you are this shadow, you are a monster. <laughs> all things happen in this world, no? people pointing at each other like this, and unfortunately also believing each other those things. You know? Like I was saying yesterday this, wisdom of trauma <laughs> and someone was telling them like someone was traumatized because someone from childhood someone was telling them you are a monster you are a monster you are a monster and the person was like affected by that <laughs> and then the person say and what if I tell you I really love your green hair and the other person was laughing and say why are you laughing because I don't have green hair and now uh, I say, okay, and now if, what if I tell you you are a monster? Why you are not laughing? <laughs> In other words, because you believe yourself in that thing. <laughs> so you choose to not be too generous with you and to over-identify with your own shadow. But the shadow is not like that. The shadow will take you out of your, of your shadow. will point to the shadow. There is shadow. You have to deal with that. But you are not the shadow. You are this potential. So while pointing to whatever needs to be changed, all that is in the context of your highest prospect. So if all the things are in place, and, I, and that's not an easy thing to do, <laughs> one can engage in. I mean, one can point to everyone anything, <laughs> because that will be done in a really proper spirit, and it's so necessary for that we have elders doing that. Elders, I don't, I do not mean certain age people with that capacity. So, that's my reply. Of course, each one has to think and be introspective where I'm in, in the midst of all that, where I stand in, in between all this, and how much do I have to do that, or how much do I need someone else doing that on me, or the two things at the same time also, of course. <laughs> Especially if, you, if, you, if one of your main services or duties is to tell to others all the things they need to upgrade in a proper way, nonetheless you need someone else telling those things to you as well. <laughs> like if you are a psychologist, generally a psychologist needs some psychologist himself or herself. <laughs> no? So one doesn't lose sight of, <laughs> of, of things. So. Something like that. Mm. Yes. One of the shocks for me many years ago, because I, I did Course of Miracles first of all, mm. 
and then I came into Hare Krishna, was that what I was shown by Krishna was that what I saw in someone was actually festering in me. And that came as a tremendous shock for me. I, I just cried my eyes out because I thought, that can't be all that I've been looking at, all these people I've been judging, is all in me. And that started me on the road of a deep forgiveness and a deep change within myself. And um, as I say, I was so shocked because I hadn't realized that, you know, what I see in people at that time was just awful. <laughs> that was me, hmm. a demonic, awful person <laughs> who was jealous and envious <clears throat> and angry and, you know, all those things. And gradually, gradually, as I started taking responsibility for my Nathas, not blaming myself, I didn't start attacking myself anymore, but I had to take responsibility and really look at them and start forgiving. Look at why I was angry, what started all that. That's what I was saying, that it was helpful. Yeah, totally. Thank you so much for your testimony. And we were speaking today with Gokul Chand about that. No? And that word came over and over again, responsibility. Mm. Because we sometimes we don't want to take responsibility so it seems easier to to throw the the, the, mm -hmm. the burden on, on the whole world but not to me mm -hmm. <laughs> and I know as you mentioned very nicely it may be shocking in the beginning to to realize yes. uh, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> all those things that I'm projecting are yes. in great part at home first and I have to embrace that acknowledge that and then deal with that mm -hmm. and it may take time it may be a long tunnel we have to go through <laughs> yeah. there's light at the end of the tunnel there's hope and and, 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 and I'm, I'm sure that whoever has done that in a mm -hmm. in a sincere healthy way I will have so much to to give to others then yes. no? and it's so necessary and so yeah. you usually start from something from childhood mm -hmm. that judgment or criticism mm. It's not new. Mm. It's something that came mm. long ago, mm. which if you can recognize it, mm. you can gradually, gradually go through that forgiveness mm. And, mm. and bring it mm. to Krishna and he mm. heals you. Yeah, and, and, and something important, that connection that we also mentioned today is one may say, okay, I'm like, I having this particular, whatever, judgment or, or attitude towards the world because of this particular thing that happened to me in childhood. And, and, and that's, there is the danger of entering into victim consciousness because mm -hmm. one may say, my dad or my mom or my whoever did this to me, so because of them, I'm like this. But the point is, you may analyze that person who did that to you and that person also received that from their parents. Mm -hmm. and yeah. So you start to get lost into a generational research and at the end of the day you realize this is not about blaming and finding who is to blame mm -hmm. here, but taking responsibility how do I choose to respond to whatever has come to my in this life to me for some reason that I was born in a particular family and all this so yeah at the end of the day it's all about responsibility and not so much trying to change the world but trying to change yourself which is much more difficult <laughs> and, and, and that can be a tricky thing also for us as Vaishnavs because of course there is this side of Let's help people. Let's share the message. Let's let's change the world in some way, on some level. But the point is, be careful that this, how do you say, motto, 
like this saying doesn't no. become an excuse slogan no. okay that's not because an excuse not to change yourself because mm. I mean you will change the world as much as you have changed yourselves because if not you will go to the world and maybe you just maybe projecting prejudice and faults and you are not doing that much relief work if you will <laughs> so change yourself not in a selfish way but in a compassionate way if I need if I want to really contribute to the world I have to change myself <laughs> and that's the most difficult thing you want to say it brings a simpler way of seeing the world mm -hmm. because you don't see the faults so much you see more as you were saying the whole the bigger picture mm -hmm. of what that person is really crying for mm -hmm. rather than your own stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah. Yeah. Believe me, I fall down all the time, but uh, I try. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. I remember once one devotee told that, they say, <laughs> some devotees sometimes use this expression, sometimes I fall down. And the devotee say, sometimes I, I got up. <laughs> because I almost always fallen. No. <laughs> Because you say sometimes fall down means I always in good standing, and sometimes I fall down. They would say sometimes I got up because I'm almost always falling. <laughs> or or, or so. I sometimes lay down and relax. Also, though, there are different <laughs> possibilities. Also, yeah, there are many types of dynamics there. <laughs> okay, some other question before finishing. We are almost in time, but maybe we have time for one question. Yeah, okay, Not question too late, if there is any. Yeah, Sarada. Um, I, it's just a general question about Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the way he departed from this world, mm -hmm. and there's a mysterious, there's a mystery, must be a mystery about it. Mm. But uh, do do we concern ourselves with that? Is there something that this sampradaya can say about mm. that? Mm. Is that important to think about that and his divinity? Mm. Well, generally, Gaudiya Vaishnava do not put too much attention or concern, if you will, regarding what's called the Mausalya Lila. Mausalya Lila is like the disappearance Lila of Bhagavan. Although there are some, as you mentioned, some hints or theories about that. Or, but it's not something that Gaudias like to speak too much about, not in the, because of denial or anything, but basically because of the very nature of the Lila, which is just, he's not dying, no, he's not, even though it seems that person is going through classical human transformation of leaving the body and so on, but it's actually a total, basically a state of in, in manifestation, you say that? <laughs> yeah, entering into unmanifest past, the past time becomes <coughs> unmanifest, basically. So, similar with Krishna in the Bible, then here and there there is mentioned something of Jara, the hunter, and some arrow entering, whatever, but it's just like a, a Lila, we will say, that Krishna himself like chooses to, 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 to inspire, if you will, certain elements. If you understand all the different, how the Jadus fought with each other, I mean, I won't enter into that detail, and there was some part of some iron thing that was put on earth and that's some other how do you say well long story <laughs> yeah but all that conversion to the uh, um, not unfolding what's the opposite of unfolding wrapping up yeah like the wrapping up of the lila and turning in manifest 
So something has to happen. No, because we are speaking in terms of lila. So lila means like drama. No? The lila has dramatic dynamics. So it's like a play. And all these different characters are exhibiting different... So there's a particular way for it to, to close in a certain way. So in regarding to Mahaprabhu, basically <clears throat> the main idea will be that's an interesting point. Before he passes away, of course, if you study, for example, Chaitanya Charitamrita, the, the very the last two, twelve years of Mahaprabhu, he's, I mean, he's leaving this world, if you will, gradually, in the sense of he becomes first he's not a Vaishnav, he's a Pandit, then he becomes a Vaishnav as as, as Bishwambar Mishra, disciple of Vishwar Puri, then he accepts sannyas, he becomes a public figure, traveling and preaching and establishing the Yuga Dharma. And eventually he enters into the Gambira for the last 12 years of his life without going out. He stopped being a public figure and dedicates officially to taste the main reason for his descent. All this happens with one mystic poetry sent by Advaita Charya to Mahaprabhu. The mystic poetry he's saying, because Advaita Charya is the one who... <laughs> invited the Yuga Dharma portion, the Yuga Avatar, sorry, portion of Mahaprabhu to descend. It is said that the Yuga Avatar portion of Mahaprabhu descended by the call of Advaita Charya and the, and, and, and the if you will, non-Yuga Avatar portion of Mahaprabhu, <laughs> the Swayam Bhagavan portion, came by the calling of Haridas Thakur, singing Harinam and calling him to come. So Advaita Charya invited the Yuga Avatar portion, that side of Mahaprabhu that comes to establish the Yuga Dharma. And therefore, that same Advaita Charya is the one who invites Mahaprabhu to retire that side of him when the function is completed. So he sends one mystical poem saying things like, the rice in the market uh, is already no longer, people in the market is no longer interested in, in, in rice. Everyone has... It's totally intoxicated and nobody cares for rice in the market or something. And everyone has become mad and the one who's writing this poem is also go ma- gone mad. So it was totally like, what's the meaning of this? But Mahaprabhu read it very seriously and realized, oh, <clears throat> he realized internally, Advaita Charis invited me, telling me the, the purpose of the Yuga Dharma is already established. The whole world is mad drinking this nectar. So now you can stop that function in you and just absorb yourself fully systematically to taste the main purpose of your descent, which was this threefold purpose of tasting Radhavav in, in, in different forms. So as we know, the last years of Mahaprabhu, his 12 years doing that with the assistance of Saru Brahmanda, Ramanandaroy, and so on. And it becomes more and more intense, more and more intense. His experience of Radhavav is reaching the the apex of the realization of that. And the very last section of Gaur Lila in Chaitanya Charitamrita, the last chapter of Antilila is Sikshastakam. And the last verse of Sikshastakam was Lishyabhadaratam Pinashtamam and so on. Krishna Daskaviraj mentions mentions this verse was spoken by Sri Radha. Hmm. Actually the verse was spoken by Mahaprabhu. But the idea is Krishna as Mahaprabhu fully tasted Radhabhav. He reached success in his project, if you will. The main reason for his descent has been fully accomplished now. Like implying, now he's free to go, if you will. Now his whole Lila 
is justified, has, has been successful. Gaur Lila is successful. Mahaprabhu did it. <laughs> Sri Maham Mahaprabhu Ki Jai. <laughs> like my Guru Maharaj likes to say, although at that point Mahaprabhu is bathing in the glory of tasting Radhavav, actually Sri Radha herself in the Gaur Lila, who is Gadadhar Pandit, has totally disappeared into the background, to the back curtains in, in Tota Gopinath, giving himself or herself, her Baba, to Krishna as Mahaprabhu to be successful, be successful. But the more he becomes glorious there, the more Gadadhar Pandit disappears in, in, in a much more glorious way. So properly understood, the disappearance of Gadadhar Pandit is much more glorious than Mahaprabhu stays. <laughs> but that's another, another series. So the point is, Krishna Das Goswami sets the stage in that way. He says, okay, Mahaprabhu became Radha, if you will. Fully accomplished, fully in a way. Of course, Radha Bhabi is a bottomless ocean, and there's no end to how much Radha Bhabi one can taste, and that's why Gorlila is eternal, because Krishna eternally is dedicating himself to tasting Radha Bhabi Nityanamali, <laughs> because there is no end to that. But in some way, we could say he did it fully, as, as much as the Lila was able to facilitate. So, like in playing, okay, now the Lila can, how is Wrap up? Wrap up. Mm. And Krishna Das Kavirat Goswami is not describing in Chaitanya Charitamrita anything about Mahaprabhu's living. He just said he tasted Radhavav, he was successful, Shriman Mahaprabhu Kijai, end of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Like in playing, that, that's the real glory, glorious end of Gorlila. No, the other is just like he had to do something to, to turn his Lila in manifest, but the real closing is this happy end of the story. And, and yes, there are some different versions of that. You know, one that he entered into the ocean, never to reappear back. Others that he entered into the deity of Jagannath, he merged with Jagannath. And the third and maybe most popular one is that he entered into the deity of Tota Gopinath, which is the deity that was worshipped by Gadadhar Pandit, interestingly. And if you go even today, the deity has some little line on the knee, golden, golden line, that is to say on that side, it is that Mahaprabhu entered. There, go to Gopinath. And Gadar Pandit said he entered into the deity of Radha there. See, go Gadar Ki But again, there is not much, much more detail about that because that's not, again, the most important thing. The main emphasis is this is the real end and glory of, of Gaur Lila. No? So that's how Gaudias, again, are not denying that, but they're just putting emphasis in the, in the proper direction, if you will. Okay, so I think we can stop here, maybe sharing some brief kirtan before honoring Prasad. Srila Gurudev ki jai, Sriman Mahaprabhu ki jai, Sri Harinam Sankirtan ki jai, Sri Sri Nitai Chan Sachinandan Gaudhari ki jai, Sri Sri Radha Govind Gopal Govindaram ki jai, Sri Akadasi ki jai. Gaur Bhakta Vrindaki, Gaur Priman, Hari